Romans chapter 8, I'm looking at verses 26 and 27 this morning. So we're beginning a process as we start this new year of looking at what is our values of worship, teaching, nurture, and reaching. And so we're going to be looking at that as we go forward, um, trying to reestablish our committees of people on these committees of what does it mean for Northside to worship? What does it mean for Northside to outreach? What does it mean to nurture one another? What does it mean to, to live in Christian education with one another? And so we're looking for people to come up, and so we'll be preaching through that process. But as we begin that process, we want to take time to look at what it means to pray for God's will first and foremost, and then what does it mean about um, establishing our spiritual gifts, and how does that unite us together in the body of Christ? And so this morning, we're looking at prayer, and so um, I want to start by talking about uh, Ted Turner was asked this very question, and again, um, living in Chattanooga, we had a lot of impacts by Ted Turner down in Atlanta, and and uh, so there's a lot of things that were a part of this, but um, some of the things that I found out this time, uh, Ted Turner was asked just right before his 75th birthday um, who he prays to, and this is how he responded, whoever is listening. Now, he started to talk that way because when he was a child, Ted Turner actually wanted to be a missionary. Um, but he lost faith after, after, after he watched his little sister die of complications from a rare form of lupus. He said he prayed to God for five years. And this was his understanding. She hadn't done anything wrong. So how unfair of God to take her life. And at that point, he quit praying. He said, Christianity couldn't give me any answers. And my faith was shaken. Now, he would say, now he's open to Christianity or to whoever's listening. But it doesn't just stop with people outside of the faith. If you've read Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life, he begins by talking about his daughter when they're out camping and she actually lost her context lens and it fell upon the ground with mixed in the leaves and everything. And the father stopped and said, we need to pray about this, that God would show us. And his daughter said, why? I've been praying for our sister to speak for the last five years and God hasn't answered that prayer. Why would he answer this prayer? Have you ever been irritated? You ever struggled? You're not the only one. So hopefully this morning we'll be able to hear from God himself through the scripture. So hear these words, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is the Holy Spirit that enabled your word to be written. And so, Father, we now need the Holy Spirit to give us insight to those truths. Father, you speak, you lead. You give us eyes to see and hearts to understand. But Father, let us leave encouraged knowing that the Spirit intercedes in the midst of our weaknesses. 
and they are many. And so, Father, you teach us and change us to look more like our Savior. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I start off by talking about irritation with prayer. And again, this is written from Paul, and Paul is writing in the first person, and Paul is saying, even he struggles with prayer. Your pastor struggles with prayer. Every one of us struggles with prayer, don't we? And it becomes an irritation a lot of times, and it happens because if we see the greater context, this context sets up that we're groanings in the midst of our understanding of where we are in life. We know the creation is growing, groaning. We live in a fallen world. We deal with curses and suffering all the time. And so creation is crying out in the midst of it. Um, and, but not just the creation. The word says that even we as believers are crying out with our groanings and our weaknesses. We don't know what to say a lot of times. And so in the midst of these groanings, if we're honest, we begin to struggle with prayer. And we can struggle for many different reasons. We can struggle with time. It might have been that even this last prayer that I did, the Lord's Prayer, maybe your mind began to go to Hawaii. Maybe your mind went to what you're going to eat this afternoon. Maybe you start looking for different things to do. Maybe you're looking to to go somewhere fun afterwards. And so your mind starts to, to go different places. We become weak. We have weak willpower. Remember the story where Jesus is talking where he's going to be betrayed and he's talking to the disciples and he says, stay over here and you pray with me. And what happens? They fall asleep. And there are people here who hear my great preaching and they'll be snoring. I see you. So our willpower is weak a lot of times. Our attention spans become troublesome. Henry, Matthew Henry says this, in our weaknesses we become short-sighted and we're so much about the flesh that it becomes so consuming. And we need the help of the Father. Because we're like little kids, aren't we? Kids who would rather eat cupcakes than to have nutritious meals. We don't know what we need And so we make unwise choices. Well, in the midst of that struggle with prayer, sometimes we can know the will of God, but then the struggles becomes about submitting. See, a lot of times it's spelled out in the scripture, it's very clear. Don't marry a non-Christian. Give to the poor. Preach the gospel. These are clear commandments. They're not suggestions. But then we start finding ourselves going, well, but what does that mean? (laughs) Well, I don't really like this person. Again, um, I took a a class, a youth ministry class, and I only took it not for godly reasons. I took it because it was the only class that fit on my Tuesday, Thursday schedule, and I didn't want to take classes on Monday and Wednesday, Friday. So I took this class, and it's an easy A. But one of the things that did change me is uh, one of the requests was, is go spend three hours at the mall and watch teenagers. Just watch them. There's a lot of insights. I mean, a lot of it told me, you know, that we're fair weather people. You know, how many people are going to be wearing Georgia and Alabama hats now as compared to Michigan? 
We're fair-weather people. We like winners. And so an inordinate amount of shirts and hats were worn by people for the great teams of that time period. Asa saw that most of them were gathered in, in groups. But one of the things I figured out is teenagers, a lot of them are just jerks. <laughs> They're just selfish individuals. But here's what I found. I started to judge them. And to make statements like, you don't deserve the gospel. I wouldn't talk to you about Jesus because you don't deserve it. Now here's the rub. Except for the grace of God, so go I. How arrogant are we? How much of jerks are we? I know that's not the best way to start a new year with your pastor. He called me a jerk today. <laughs> you are. Accept that Christ loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And so we ask the question, I might know the will of God, but what happens when we don't know the will of God? What happens when the Apostle Paul said, you know what? I don't know if it's better for me to be here with you and continue to teach you or to die and go home and be with my Savior. What do we do when we deal with situations of, I don't want someone to suffer in my family, so is it better for me to pray that they die or pray for, they to, for them to be healed? Struggle? See, God brings in, he, he wants us to understand his will. And so what he does is he begins to allow us to, to struggle through that. He wants us to submit to him and to trust him. And again, this isn't new. We know that Elijah went through this, Job. But the Apostle Paul, remember how many times did he ask for the thorn to pass away from him? And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Even Jesus himself said, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, I don't want to go through this. But ultimately, not my will, but your will be done. Well, how do we have that kind of faith? This passage tells us because it tells us because of the involvement of the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit is active See, we know we need the prayers of others. I need your prayers. Many people in here, you're praying for people that are sick. You're praying for people that are going through trials and tribulations. And I know that, and we need the prayers of others. I know that there are people that I go to very specifically that I call my prayer warriors that I say, I need you to pray for this very specifically because I know they're not going to lie to me and say, yeah, I'm going to pray for it and then forget it. They actually listen to what I say, and they pray for it. And there are many prayer warriors out there. But what we need is we actually need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be praying for us. See, there's a great illustration by Steve Lawson, and he gave this illustration. He said, it's like the Holy Spirit is the moving sidewalk at the airport. See, he's the one who's pulling you along. 
The direction is set. You know the destination. It cannot change. Now, we might participate as we walk upon the moving sidewalk, but it's the moving sidewalk that's the catalyst. That's the way it is with the Holy Spirit in regards to our prayers. And he is affectionate for us. He's not a force. He's not a power. He is a person. And as a person, he has a mind and he has emotions. And therefore, we can be grieving him by the way that we live our lives. We can say no to the power of the Holy Spirit. But if we are Christians... And if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to move and to lead and to guide, he is not stoic. He has a deep feeling and affection. He loves us with a love we can't comprehend. And as he leads us, he's the one that becomes a spiritual agent for our growth. He is the one that helps us. That's the word in your Bible. Write down very, yes, I'm telling you, write in your Bible. The word helps there is a present indicative, which means that it is a fact. He is always praying for us. And it's a surety. So therefore, he allows us to be led into the will of God all the time. He's always speaking the truth. He's always leading us to the will of God. He's not Santa Claus, and he's not a sweet grandpa. And that's what we want God to be a lot of times, if we're honest. That's what Ted Turner wanted. God, answer my prayers, and if you don't answer my prayers, well, then I'm out. God, listen, doesn't owe us anything. And yet he continues to love us. He continues to shower us with mercy and grace. But please don't ever think you can control him by coming to church or praying specific prayers or saying, if I have done this now, God, you owe me. And I'm telling you, it's too easy to get into that mindset. God, you owe me. And if you don't answer the way I want, then I'm done with you. And I want you to understand, God more than anyone understands pain and suffering. Because he gave his son. And again, it overwhelms me that Jesus Christ gets nothing that he didn't already have with the Father and the Holy Spirit before he came. He gets nothing more except sinners. He doesn't get more glory. He doesn't get more honor. He doesn't get more intimacy. He had it all. And yet the Father gave his Son and Jesus gave up his life as a ransom for us so we wouldn't have to experience the wrath of God ourselves. And so it's with that understanding that, again, we need to be aware of what it means to to know that God is in control and we can trust him. John Piper said this, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of three of them at any time. I was talking to a friend this past week, 
Um, and we were talking about at one point he was going to try to take on a, a part-time job. And when it didn't happen, he became a little bitter. But he said within a month, he got put on a new project and would not have been allowed to do the, the part-time job anyways. And he said, God was sitting there saying, I know what's best for you. Trust me. And that's hard to do, isn't it? I think that's part of our irritation. God, I, I want you to do this. Like, God, I think I know what's right. God says, you have no clue what I know. Again, one of the great illustrations for me was um, my dean of students when he talked about um, taking time and moving back and looking at the stained glass window. He said, because the stained glass window is made up of broken shards of glass that are put together. Those broken shards of glass, they're hurtful. They're hard. But with it, he creates a beautiful stained glass picture. That's what God's doing in our lives. All the time. He knows exactly what peace needs to happen. He knows exactly what peace needs to be broken at what moment. And as he begins to put it all together, we know because we get to plead God's glory and our good because the Holy Spirit, he knows our heart. He knows our heart, but he also knows the mind of God. And so as the Holy Spirit gets involved in our heart, in our lives, he also becomes the intercessor. See, there's always accusations that come about And so we need an intercessor. And that intercessor is the Holy Spirit. And he is someone who pleads our case on our behalf. And he does that daily. Because again, we have someone who comes and accuses us. Satan wants to destroy us. You ever had doubts in your mind? You ever struggle? You ever think that your faith is destroyed or God is getting even with you? Well, I did this, so God's getting back at me. God doesn't work that way. He's not like you and me. He's not out to get us. He's there on our behalf as the one who stands between us and the lies of Satan. But make no mistake, Satan is good and he'll whisper in your ear and say, you're not good enough. That sin God cannot forgive. You are unlovable. You're worthless. God comes in and he says, I love you so intimately that I not only gave you my son who intercedes. Listen, he intercedes on our behalf to the Father, but he gives us the spirit who's with us all the time. And he knows our heart and mind. And he intercedes for us. And how does he do that? He does that with words that are unspeakable. 
Now, please understand when he says that there are groanings that are too deep for words, it doesn't mean that they are meaningless. If you have been in a relationship with someone, you know that there are things that they can communicate to you without speaking a word, especially if you have someone who is angry with you like a spouse. They don't have to say anything. And you know when you have done something wrong. There are times, too, where we are so overwhelmed with life and our hearts are so, look like they're going to just explode that there are groanings that happen that we don't even begin to grasp and understand. But God says, I get it. I understand. And we know this is true. Because we have those stupid minds, right? They're able to communicate things. There's a show over at SeaWorld, okay, the Otter and Sea Lion show, okay? And it's a show that I always tell my wife, we've got to get there early because they have this mind that comes out. And I don't want to be made fun of because it's funny what the mind does. But I don't want the mind to come behind me and go, <laughs> Pretend like I'm this big gorilla of a guy. I don't want to sit there and go like. We laugh at it, but he's able to communicate and the Holy Spirit. Now take that to the hundredth level. The Holy Spirit knows everything about you and he communicates to God so intimately, so perfectly. That God knows exactly what we read earlier. He knows what you need before it happens or before you're even aware of that need. That's how much God loves you. And so the the Holy Spirit communicates in words that are very clear, very cut out, because he's, listen, he's always on target. He's perfect. He never misquotes everything, and he's never in conflict with the Father and with the Son. The Holy Spirit perfectly moves us into the will of God so that we can trust, so that we can obey, so that we can rest. You tired? You're overwhelmed? Come back to the cross. Come back to Christ. Come back to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So what should you be praying for for the coming year? One, continue to pray for our vision. Pray for our values. How are you going to be part of worship at Northside? How are you going to be a part of um, teaching at Northside? How are you going to be about nurturing other people at Northside? How are you going to reach out to the community at Northside? How are you? Pray for the resetting of our committees and the leadership there. We're taking it out of the the hands of the elders, and we're putting it into committee chairman's hands, but the elders are still going to have oversight, but we want the elders to be what the elders should be doing, shepherds. So we're not going to tire them with details of putting together an outreach event. So we want our committees to come back 
And here's an invitation to the all-church prayer time. You want to know about praying for the kingdom of God? Come and pray. And I know some of you are not able. And I'm not trying to guilt anybody into anything. But my question to you is, if you're not coming for the all-church prayer time, where are you creating an all-church prayer time? Create one. If you can't get here because you sleep in, I get it. I'd much rather pray at midnight than at 6 in the morning. I get it. But the question is, are you praying at either time? So here you have the reset for 2022. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to move and lead in your prayer life into the perfect will of God the Father? I'm telling you, it's better to allow him to lead and to guide than to fight an all-powerful God. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we're just trying to be honest because, Father, there are times where we're irritated, where we're weak, where we're overwhelmed with life, where we look at the circumstances rather than the Creator. And so, Father, we're so grateful that through your words, you told us very clearly that Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit intercede on our behalf. And that our prayers can be made perfect through the groanings of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, as we come into a new year, Lord, we do ask that you would give us this vision of what it means to bring you all glory and honor, Lord, that you would be glorified in all things, in all of our words, in all of our deeds, in all of our actions. And Lord, when we are satisfied in you, then we will be satisfied in you alone. We won't need the world. We won't need the distractions. Because we'll understand what it means to love and to be loved by a holy and a perfect God. So Father, you establish. You forgive where we have fallen short. But Father, I thank you that you love us so much and you know us by name and you pray for us daily with the power of the Trinity. So Father, encourage us, equip us, and send us with the truth of your gospel. And this we pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.